0: Today's scripture reading is Psalms 35. We'll be reading the whole Psalms this morning. Psalms 35. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and rise for my help. Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. For without cause they hid their net for me. Without cause, they dug a pit for my life. Let destruction come upon him when he does not know it. And let the net that he hid ensnare him. Let him fall into it, to his destruction. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his salvation. All my bones shall say, O Lord, who is like you? Delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him the poor and needy from him who robs him. Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me of things that I do not know. They repay me evil for good. My soul is bereft. But I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my chest. I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my brother, as one who laments his mother. I bowed down in mourning, but at my stumbling, they rejoiced and gathered. They gathered together against me, wretches whom I did not know, tore at me without ceasing. Like profane mockers at a feast, they gnash at me with their teeth. How long, O Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their destruction, my precious life from the lions. I will thank you in the great congregation, in the mighty throng I will praise you. Let not those rejoice over me who are wrongfully my foes, and let not those wink the eye who hate me without cause. For they do not speak peace, but against those who are quiet in the land, they devise words of deceit. They open wide their mouths against me, they say, Aha, aha, our eyes have seen it, you have seen it, O Lord, be not silent, O Lord, be not far from me. Awake and rouse yourself for my vindication, for my cause, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, Aha, our heart's desire. Let them not say, We have swallowed him up. Let them be put to shame and disappointed altogether who rejoice at my calamity. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves against me let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore great is the lord who delights in welfare of his servant then my tongue shall tell of your righteousness and of your praises all the day long this is the word of the lord
1: thanks jim for doing that Would you pray with me? Father, you say in the book of Corinthians that the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But then you go on to say, but we have the mind of Christ. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would illumine our minds this morning to show us what you, God, are like, uh, to show us uh, our estate before you, and to show us your rescue. Um, Thank you for your word, and I ask that um, it would not return void. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you don't know me, my name is David, and um, I'm one of the elders here at Bethany, and it's good to be with you all again. Over this summer, we as a church are walking through or traveling through the psalms together. Now, who loves to go for a walk? Who loves to travel? Yeah, all right. Now, who loves the psalms? Okay, this is good. This is going to be good then. Great. So last week, Tony took us through Psalm 23 with uh, David picturing God as a shepherd. And this week's psalm, Psalm 35... Comes from the same author, and it's a bit different than Psalm 23, if you hadn't noticed already. Could you hear the difference? Could you hear the difference? So, if you haven't already, take your Bible and open it up to Psalm 23. Turn it on, open the pages, however it works for you. So, something we need to know is that the 35th Psalm is more of a psalm of sorrow or lament, psalm of lament. And some commentators qualify it as actually more of a psalm of imprecation, or an imprecatory psalm. We'll get to what that is later. And it deals with the topic of injustice. Injustice. So, have you experienced injustice? I don't mean someone cutting you off on the road I don't mean a worker getting your order wrong at Burgerville, which would never happen. (laughs) I don't even mean waiting for an hour and a half for the airport shuttle to come pick you up when you should have been waiting for 15 minutes. I mean, what about real injustice? I mean, how do we even qualify what is real injustice? Have you experienced having an enemy before? Maybe you currently do. So maybe, maybe it was a bully or a teacher at school that was taking advantage of you day in and day out. Perhaps it is or was a relationship which normally ought to be a safe environment for intimacy to be fostered, but instead has become a place of fear, a place of danger and confusion, or maybe even infidelity. Maybe it's being on the receiving end of hatred for the color of your skin or receiving hatred for what you believe or maybe what you don't believe. Perhaps it was a scenario in which your friend was in need and you helped them and now that friend has betrayed you. So this is what this poem is about. This psalm's structure is divided into three portions and the outline that you have in your little worship folder is going to follow those portions. Each portion generally has three parts: a lament, a cry for justice, a cry for vengeance, and a response of praise. The first section is verses one through 10. Lament, prayer for protection from the enemy, then praise. The second section is verses 11 through 18. There's a lament, a prayer for deliverance from betrayal and mobbing and then praise. And then the last section, 19 through 28, there's a lament, a prayer over false accusation, then praise. So, are you ready? Here we go. So section one should be coming up. This this is a petition for deliverance from seeking after his life. So I'm just going to read again the first three verses here. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and arise for my help. Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. So David starts off this poem with vivid imagery, with picture of a divine warrior. The contend language that David uses here could be uh, used both in a legal setting, as in a courtroom, you know, contention, Or, as in battle imagery, Um, the imagery of the shield and the buckler, they're both shields of different types, as well as the javelin are all defensive tools. The javelin would be used to keep the enemy at a distance, right? Can't get close to you. It stops the advance of an opponent. soul the word nefesh, can you say that, nefesh? Nefesh in Hebrew means a lot of things. It means breath or throat and often is used to describe the whole of a person. So the picture that David is portraying, he needs a defender to hold off an attack, whether it be a literal attack or an accusation from an opponent. And it's clear who David believes will be the one to save him. Yahweh, the Lord. Um, He uses the covenant name of God the name that God tells Moses to use when the children of Israel ask who sent Moses. And you'll see that usually it's, it's, it's LORD in all caps. That's the tetragrammaton Yahweh. He uses this covenant name, and he uses this name more than he uses the other word, um, LORD, throughout the psalm. And the term salvation, used in verse 3, Yeshua, does that sound familiar to anybody? Yeshua, that means salvation. So David is crying out to Yahweh, to tell his whole person that he, Yahweh, is David's salvation. He's saying, say to my nefesh, I am your Yeshua. Isn't that legit? It's so cool. It should be coming up on the screen here pretty soon. Save me. Save me. This is critically important start to the psalm. David is starting his complaint slash prayer with, who is God? Crying out to him for help and declaring that Yahweh is his salvation. David's request for help from Yahweh and his request for God to speak to David's whole person, David, I'm your salvation, are placed as two sides of the same coin. Save me, help me, Yahweh, and tell me I am your Yeshua. This is David's starting point. Deliverance and having God speaking the truth of who God is to you. That's where he starts. What follows in the next four verses contain a series of requests that David makes of Yahweh, as well as the reasons why he makes these requests. So I'm going to reread verses 4 through 8, and as I read, I want you to listen for two things. Listen for specific types of injustices... And also listen to the emotion that's embedded in this. All right, here we go. Verse 4. Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. Let them be like the chaff before the wind with the angel of Yahweh driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of Yahweh pursuing them. For without cause they hid their net for me. Without cause, they dig a pit for my life. Let destruction come upon him when he does not know it. And let the net that he hid ensnare him. Let him fall into it, to his destruction. It's kind of intense. The cry for justice is weaved throughout verses 4 through 8, along with the wrongs that David is experiencing. Did you hear it in verse 4? The let them be put to shame and dishonor, that's the cry for justice, why they seek after my life. That's kind of how it's organized in this section. Lots of things to note here, but before we note, we have to talk about an important concept. We're going to talk about imprecations and infractions. Aren't you guys excited? All right, let's start with infractions. When we list out these injustices, it's noteworthy that David hasn't just made these up. But they are specific violations of God's laws, which are set out in the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah. Here is a sampling of the verses that that deal with these injustices. We made a little table and kind of see it up there. So I'm just going to read a few of these. So Seeking After His Life, from Exodus 20, the sixth commandment, you shall not murder for devising evil. This is from Exodus 23. You shall not fall in with the many to do evil, nor shall you bear witness in a lawsuit siding with the many, so as to pervert justice, nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his lawsuit. Trapping without cause uh, from verses seven, if you look in Exodus twenty-one, sixteen, um whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. This is human trafficking. This is serious stuff. So these are clearly, and then I'm not even going to read the poor and marginalized because there's tons of stuff in the Torah about like justice for the poor and the marginalized. But these are clearly violations of God's law. These are examples of injustice, which is Yahweh's standard of what is right and wrong. And that's not just for the nation of Israel. That's for us too. Whether we remember it or agree with it, Yahweh our God actually has the corner on what is right and what is wrong. Since the beginning, he defines justice and injustice. Whether we are religious or not, most everyone feels angry when they think of human trafficking, right? Well, actually, God has felt anger and sorrow about that first. We get enraged when we think about robbing the marginalized And those that cannot stand up for themselves and even partiality in administering justice, we feel that way because God's heart, his heart is for justice and for loving your neighbor. We get worked up when murder and violence happens regardless of the surrounding situation. Because in Genesis 6, we read that Yahweh saw that the earth was filled with violence and his heart was filled with pain. Not only is David crying out to God using terms of the Mosaic Covenant, but David is touching on the very heart of Yahweh. When we think of the God of the Old Testament, you know, the one who's angry and rah, you know, wanting justice, there's a bit of truth to that. Because our God is grieved when his children destroy each other. David knows this. When he relates with his God, he has in mind this part of Yahweh, That he makes promises, and he keeps them. That Yahweh is a champion and a defender of the weak and the broken. David is banking on that as he's appealing to Yahweh. It's like he's saying, God, since you are my covenantal God, since you define justice and righteousness, since you promise to curse those that dishonor me, then save me! (laughs) Send your angel of the Lord to be with me and defend me. I'm experiencing injustice. David is making a covenantal appeal to Yahweh, quite boldly as men and women of the faith in the Bible regularly do, asking God to hold up his end of the deal. So we have talked about the injustices, the infractions. What about imprecation? What is that, even? Um... So you'll find that imprecation is not actually in the Bible, imprecatory. That word is not in the Bible. But imprecatory uh, or imprecation is a word used by Bible nerds and theologians (laughs) to describe when someone is crying out for justice and they're asking for vengeance. It's cursing, essentially. Psalm 35 is what some would call an imprecatory psalm, in which the writer is crying out to God to execute uh, judgment on injustice, and evil that the psalmist is experiencing, it's also a psalm of sorrow or lament, but it has a bit more of an edge to it. Could you hear it when it was read? Could you hear the injustice? Could you hear the cry for retribution? There's a ton of emotion loaded into this psalm, especially these first 10 verses. The language is repetitive. It's loaded with uh, rhyming ideas, which we call parallelism. The voice is frantic and angry, and he's directly addressing his creator. You see the injustice and the vengeance intertwined together. It's not, it's not like a, a list. It's, it's all there, kind of in a blurb. To say that David is clearly distraught and angry would be an understatement. I mean, can't you hear it? God, help! Stop what's going on! Don't let them do this to me! Judge them! Can you identify with that? Or maybe this idea of imprecatory stuff make you uncomfortable. I mean, it kind of makes me uncomfortable. Vengeance, anger, judgment, the angel of the Lord driving them away. Yikes. I mean, like, what about the whole love and forgiveness thing? But this is an example of the beauty of the Psalms, right? The Psalms are poems, Their songs. The truth in them touches us in unique ways and can powerfully communicate to us the nature of God and the nature of man and the dialogue between the two. As we're reading the psalmist's words, we can start to identify. And we also stop and hesitate just a little bit. If you feel yourself a little or maybe a lot uncomfortable with this, I want to ask you to hold on to that and don't let it go. It's okay. Passages like these can be hard, and it has been observed that the Lord God in his wisdom has risked, and with good reason, putting these kinds of texts in the Bible. So I want to read a quote from a dude. His name is Derek Kidner, and he has a commentary on the Psalms. It's really good. Um, and he has a section talking about the imprecatory Psalms, and they just put into words the power of this. And it's going to come up on the screen. It's kind of big. Such is Immoderate language has an air of irresponsibility which cries out for criticism, yet it would be a mistake to wish it away. It has a valid function in this kind of context as hyperbole, or exaggeration, has in the realm of description, a vividness of communication that is beyond the reach of cautious literalism. This brings us close to the heart of the matter which is that the Psalms have among them other roles in scripture, scripture, one which is peculiarly their own, to touch and to kindle us rather than simply address us. The passages on which we may be tempted to sit in judgment have the shocking immediacy of a scream to startle us into feeling something of the desperation that produced them. This This is revelation in a mode more indirect but more intimate than most other forms. Without it, we should have less embarrassment but still less conception of the dark places of the earth which are full of the habitations of cruelty, a cruelty which can bring faithful men to breaking point. That dark places of the earth full of habitations of cruelty, that's from Psalm 74 So I want to ask you have you been to the dark places of the earth full of the habitations of cruelty And if you have then this psalm is for you As we read on there's an abrupt change in the attitude that David has starting in verse 9 This is his first, his first response. Um, he's going to rejoice. Then my soul, then my nephesh will rejoice in the Lord, exalting in his salvation. All my bones shall say, O oh Lord, who is like you? Delivering the poor from him who's too strong for him, the poor and needy from him who robs him. So his first response is to rejoice in the Lord's salvation. The same soul... That needed to be preached to in verse 3 is the same soul that will now rejoice in the salvation of God. My bones, down to my very core, will respond to God. And what is this response? It's bragging about his God and his character. My God delivers the poor from those who overpower them and rob them. This is the same kind of God that, what did he do in the Garden of Eden? He spared Adam and Eve. He spared them. He provided coverings um, for them after they sinned. This is the same God who rescued the children of Israel from slavery and from genocide from the Egyptians. This is David's God, and this is our God. This is our Yahweh. This is the same one. Note the future tense in David's response. David is promising that he will rejoice in the Lord. It's interesting and a bit comforting to me that the text doesn't say, and right now I rejoice in the Lord. To be fair, David has not yet experienced the salvation of his God. He's still under attack, and he's waiting for the rescue. But on the same token, David has to consider Yahweh trustworthy enough to know that one, God will deliver him, and two, that David will enjoy rejoicing in his work even though his current situation is dire. This, friends, this rejoicing is a fantastic example of what faith is. This brings us to our second section, verses 11 through 18. This is a petition for deliverance from betrayal. I'm just going to read uh, 11 and 12 here. Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me things I don't know. They repay me evil for good. My soul is bereft. But when they were sick, oh, yeah, sorry, stop. So, um, we have a list, I am just getting so excited to read it. Again, we have a list of injustices done against David. And as we read, we can see that there's some similar ideas to the last one, though the flow is a little bit different. And it's noteworthy that in this section, there's only one imprecation, there's only one request for intervention. It's not even judgment, it's rescue. So, David's kind of simmered down a bit in this section. So you'll see the the box coming up. Uh, Malicious witnesses. Everyone knows the ninth commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Um, Also, Ezekiel 23.1, you shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with the wicked man to be a malicious witness. You're getting the point, right? So, um, mocking at stumbling. This is from Obadiah. But do not gloat over the days of your brother, in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. So David continues to give us a clear reason for his complaint, violation of God's righteousness. The general tone of this section is that of betrayal, language such as they tore at me, uh, tore, same word for tearing a garment, um, gives the impression of persistent and violent attack. And in verse 17, he indicates that there's some sort of relationship or level of acquaintance with his opponent. And that gives some context of his complaint. David compares his just actions with that of the unjust actions of his opponent. When his opponent was sick, David mourned and he prayed. David was enacting neighborliness, that do unto others thing, right? This is an example of righteous behavior Behavior that is in line with God's ideal for a community of people. We help each other out. We pray. We mourn with those who mourn. However, David received the opposite. When he stumbled, whether it be sinful or a mistake, text isn't clear, um, David received attack from this other party, tearing at him, mocking him, rejoicing at his stumbling. This is one of the reasons why David claims that the attack upon him is without cause or unreasonable. Have you experienced unreasonable injustice? In the fall of this year, Anna and I were in a situation in which a decision was made and we experienced betrayal that caused a great deal of hurt. And it was unreasonable. We trusted in someone and it felt like we were tricked. Ironically, or maybe not so ironically, it was actually right before this season that I began to spend time in Psalm 35, night after night at work on my lunch break. This was the first of a number of scenarios that occurred over the course of the past eight months that involved injustice, sorrow, suffering that pushed me further into this psalm which is, by the way, if you're wondering why on earth am I preaching on Psalm 35, this is why I'm preaching on it. Um, Yahweh is the one who determines right and wrong. He's the one that does it. God is the one that determines right and wrong. And it doesn't matter how we may feel about it or what kind of justification we can give, injustice is not reasonable in the sight of God. I'm going to say that again. Injustice is not reasonable reasonable in the sight of our God. Verse 18. He's getting to his next response. He's going to declare the mighty works of the Lord. I will thank you in the great congregation. In the mighty throng, I will praise you. It's kind of like a little ramp. I will thank you in the great congregation, and then it mirrors. In the mighty throng, I will praise you. Um, So now, he makes another promise to praise. Future tense, I will. The last response was, and promise was individual and personal. This time, David promises to thank God in the congregation, to declare the works of God publicly. This gives me the impression that David is no longer just thinking about God, about himself and his enemies. He's now considering the wider community that he's a part of. While he is still incensed at his own injustice, He's starting to look up. It's noteworthy that David is starting to calm down. He's not as fired up as he was before. 19 through 20. um, Let not those rejoice over me who are wrongfully my foes. Let not those wink the eye and hate me without cause. They do not speak peace. But against those who are quiet in the land, they devise words of deceit. So, again, we have another uh, list that David's complaining about. This time, it's kind of categorized around false accusations. It's close to the other sections. It's still a meant of wrongdoing, but this time, there's only two cries for, injustice, for justice. And there's a table coming up. I'm not going to read. You guys get the picture. The injustices are somewhat repetitive with the ideas of rejoicing and hurt and calamity and coming up with false uh, accusation and deceitful plans. These elements have been seen in the first and in the second section, Lots of bad things happening to David. In verse 21, they open wide their mouths against me. They say, Aha, aha, our eyes have seen it. This contrasts David's cry in 22. You have seen, O Lord. Be not silent. O Lord, be not far from me. Awake and rouse yourself for my vindication, for my cause, my God and my Lord. Have you said that to God before? Wake up! Please stop doing nothing and do something. You guys said that? I mean, like, we all know God does not sleep, but man, it sure feels like he does. I just love that it's in there. (laughs) Then David asks God to vindicate him according to God's righteousness. In verse 24, which brings us to David's final response. Joy in the Lord's righteousness righteousness joy in the lord's righteousness so 27 and 28 let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore great is yahweh who delights in the welfare of his servant then my tongue shall tell of your righteousness and of your praise all day long the word for righteousness in hebrew is tzedek can you say that tzedek and it means righteousness justice acting according to a proper or God's standard of what is doing right, being in the right. We've seen that David has been comparing the actions of his opponent, which are contrary to God's law, with his own actions, which were righteous. And when David says my righteousness in verse 27, he isn't being a Pharisee. Um, He's saying that his cause and his position is righteous which it was, and David wisely promises that his own mouth will declare of Yahweh's righteousness, of God's righteousness, all day long. David knows that he isn't perfect, but he knows that God has made him righteous by virtue of the position that he's placed David in. David's righteousness comes from God, which is why David can pray this whole prayer in the first place. Thus closes a cry for justice from Psalm 35. How are we doing? Okay, so what do we do with this? What do we do with this kind of psalm? What do we do with this? Well, the truth is I've got some bad news and I've got some good news. So we'll start with the bad news. Here's the bad news. The bad news is that someone could have written this psalm about me. If you know anything about the David of the Bible, you have to see the irony in this psalm. I mean, David devised evil against a man so he could take that man's wife. And when David's son raped his sister, David's daughter, David was angry, but he didn't do anything. No justice, no observation of the Torah, nothing. And let me be the first to say that just as quickly as I can tell you the story of what happened to Anna and I last fall, or of how my car got stolen at work, or any of the injustice that I felt, I could just as quickly tell you that I have acted unjustly towards others in the past. And I know a few people that could write this psalm about me. And if we're all honest, someone could write this song about you too, right? All of us do this. All of us commit injustice. In the words of Tim Mackey, we as humans are constantly redefining good and evil at the expense of others. So, what's the good news? The good news, this is great news, actually. The good news, the great news is that God has done something to address all evil, all injustice, all wickedness on the planet. He sent his son, Jesus. Jesus, he sent Jesus to be our brother. Jesus who identifies with us. Jesus knows what it means to experience All the horrible things that David wrote about in Psalm 35 mocking, malicious witness, enemy, devising evil. Jesus, he gets it. He totally gets it. But he was perfect. So Jesus is actually better. He's a better David. He's better than David. Jesus is not only our brother, but he came to be our salvation. I mean, Yeshua, for crying out loud, his name. He came to be our salvation. He came to forgive us our injustice, our sins, take the punishment for our injustice, and to be the one who, Paul says in Corinthians, he became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. He's our salvation. But Jesus also is coming again. To be our righteous king and judge. Jesus will return one day and he will make all things right. He will save those who have trusted in his work and he will judge those who refuse to receive his grace and his righteousness and continue to commit wickedness. So, Jesus, he's our brother, he's our salvation. And he's going to come and he's going to make things right. So i got a few little pieces for you to finish up. Um, Perhaps you have clearly suffered injustice. Perhaps you've clearly suffered wrongdoing, a violation of God's law. And if you haven't, you just probably haven't lived long enough. Um, But I know that you're here, and I know that many of you have. And I know that a number of you are going through it right now. So on the back of your insert, if you noticed, uh, we made, uh, Anna helped me out with this, we made a little help sheet for you. And uh, you don't have to do it right now, but it can kind of take you through a process that mirrors what David does in this psalm, the process of lament, cry for justice, and praise. Um, Consider a situation you've been hurt List the wrongdoings. List who your enemy is. And then there's some fill-ins at the bottom, which I'm going to talk you through. Respond. What do you do with this? The first thing you do, 911, cry for help. That's the first thing. The next spot that says lament, you're going to lament over the wrong. The next thing you're going to do, you're going to cry for justice. You're going to choose to forgive That's a piece that we haven't talked about, but that's a piece that Jesus enters into this process. And we're going to entrust to Jesus. And the last thing is you're going to praise and vow to praise. So you have to do this right now, but this is something that might help you if you are wrestling with it, um, thinking about it. Secondly, maybe you're sitting here today, and you're like me, and you're thinking, man, you have no clue about me. But someone could probably have written this song about me, and it's probably a lot worse. Perhaps you were, or you are, the perpetrator of injustice. And you know, you know it in your deepest guts. Well, I have good news for you, too. You, too, can cry out to Yahweh and ask him to deliver you. He loves it when people are straight with him. To be fair, to be fair, we all have parts of us that need to die, right? We all have parts of us that need to die. That Jesus needs to judge. And if you come to him and confess your wickedness, your injustice, he tells us in John that he is faithful and just to forgive you of all your unrighteousness and and cleanse you. You too can cry to Jesus, say to my nefesh, you are my Yeshua. You can say that. Maybe, maybe you're not either of those people. Maybe you're just sitting here today and you're like, dude, I got stuff in my life, but I haven't really suffered injustice. My dark places of cruelty that you mentioned earlier, they are inside of me sometimes. Maybe you have fear. Or maybe you got Pride or maybe you deal with depression or whatever and you know that those things are enemies of your soul your nefesh well dude this psalm is perfect for you too crying out to God and deliver to deliver and say to your soul I am your Yeshua that is our faith right this psalm has been very encouraging to me in this area so in regards to praying this way I want us to, we're going to close up here. I want to, um, before we hit the table. Consider from Revelation. It's going to come up on the screen from chapter uh, 6. Then he opened the fifth seal. And I saw under the altar of souls those who'd been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. And they were given a white robe and told to rest just a little bit longer. There are lots of views on if we should or if we shouldn't pray like this. And that's important, but it's not of primary importance. It seems clear to me that there is a difference between asking for damnation and asking for justice. So, I want to encourage you today to cry out to the Father, to ask Him for justice, and in doing so, entrust your situation and your enemy into His more than capable hands, which also means forgiving them, and rejoice in your salvation. Let's pray. Father, um, how appropriate that we get to come now and remember your death. And we get to remember um, how you took upon your back all of our wickedness, all of our injustice, and you killed it. Praise be to you. So I pray that your cross and your resurrection, that the bread and the cup this morning would be an encouragement to those of us that are feeling injustice, to those of us that are committing injustice, and to those of us that live with it. Prepare our hearts now. Amen.